0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions
1: 18 plus. Radio show on the network. We're back here on our big broadcast. We've got our two guys from Verona with us today in our hour number three of our iHeartRadio program. Get more information on their program. Two guys from Verona.com, also W4CY.com, and w 4 Vet Radio. each and every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, on W4CY. Also, uh, iHeartRadio as well. We're going to go back to the telephones. We are going to try to get John Matthews back on the line here. We had a long, long break, and uh, we've got John, hopefully, coming back with us here in a few moments, joining us on Skype. There he Ew. is. Sorry about that, sir. We had a long-ass commercial break. <laughs> yeah. That's that's yeah. really That wasn't a was
2: was commercial break. That was a vacation.
1: <laughs> well, I tell. Uh, we've got our two guys from Verona with us today. We also are uh, uh, going to go ahead and bring in here uh, Dr. Joseph Castleberry as well. Um, Don, go ahead and finish up your point while, while I dial uh, Dr. Castleberry. Go, go ahead. You were making a point before we went to break.
3: I wanted to point out that it's taken uh, when the Republicans have gained control of the Senate, I said it would take them about a year, year and a half to find their feet and learn how to govern, particularly in the in the Senate. And uh, I think we're starting to see the first roots of uh, fruits of that um, uh, happening now. I think the Senate is starting to get these Dan's of vernacular the balls to challenge this president. I think he's going to find the last eight months of his of his uh, presidency a lot more difficult than the first uh, 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 seven and a half years. So let's hope that they really have learned something.
1: Well, hey, no. Jim, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, my friend. Go uh, ahead.
3: Just
4: a, just a piece of breaking news that just came across my desk, literally as we're talking. Uh, a federal judge. The federal judge um, who's been in charge of Emmett Sullivan of the Hillary email case. Yes. Is now, now questioning, he believes that State Department officials and top aides of Hillary Clinton should be questioned under oath, under oath, w- whether they intentionally thwarted the investigation by the court.
5: Hello, this is Joe.
1: Hey, Joseph. How are you, my friend? It's uh, James Lowe. We're live on... Uh iHeart Radio, I apologize for just getting to you, my friend, but uh, we've got our uh, two guys from Verona, Donald Mazzella, Dan Perkins with us today, national talk show host John Matthews, and uh, Joseph Castleberry joins us live here on our broadcast. He's the president of Northwest University, author of The New Pilgrims, How Immigrants Are Renewing America's Faith and Values, and during his 20 years of missionary service in Latin America, he spent three years at the university professor and pastor in El Salvador, Central America. and um, Dan, uh, finish your breaking news there, and then we'll get to Dr. Castleberry's topics I mean, here about Latino power. Just
4: that the, 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 the judge who's been handling the, the State Department Freedom of Information Act is now apparently so fed up with the State Department and Hillary that he's suggesting that all of the principals in the State Department and the Hillary campaign must testify under oath that they didn't purposely subvert the, uh, the, the wishes of the court. Uh, that means they're going to subpoena them, and they're going to have to testify under oath. So, as I said, that literally just came across my wire at, at, at 520. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Not
1: them, not, but, an issue, uh, not an issue. Not an issue. That's what we do here. We cover breaking news. We cover everything from all angles. Uh, doc, Dr. So Castleberry, um, let's start with you, my friend. Latino power is basically... Uh, it's, it's become a three-way race here, basically, between Cruz, Rubio, and Trump. Uh, give us your thoughts on this, then we'll let John and our two guys from Marona jump in there and uh, quiz you on some things. Go ahead, my friend.
5: <laughs> Great. Well, we've, this is an amazing moment in the history of the Republican Party where two of your top three candidates are Cuban-Americans. It's a, it's a day that we might have seen come, uh, coming because Cuban-Americans have been the most likely Latinos in America to be uh, to support the Republican Party, their experience of communism under Castro uh, has tended to leave them uh, skeptical of big government and skeptical of socialistic ideas, and more uh, more uh, likely to be Republicans. And so, um, that day has come, and not surprisingly, the two candidates uh, have some disagreements in, about policy. Uh, one of the things that is important to recognize is that identity is complicated. And just because you're a Latino, it doesn't mean you have to think one way or another. So uh, this is the full flowering of uh, Cuban-American Republicans in America, and it's it's an interesting moment.
1: Now, John, uh, what what do you make of this? Because you cover cover politics every night on the conservative syndicate. And uh, you've got callers and people from all over the planet getting a hold of you. Uh, What do you think of uh, Dr. Castleberry's comments and just some of the different things that are going on with the Latino power struggle, basically, in the Republican Party?
2: Well, I I think uh, my first, you know, just offhand, the first thing that really strikes me about this is how the Republican Party uh, just has never learned how to take control of the narrative. The, the left has been controlling this narrative for decades now, that uh, everybody this Republican is, is some kind of white, racist, homophobe, whatever. And, and the, the issue here, as far as I can see, uh, is that the, uh, the Republican Party does not seem to want to anymore articulate the principles and aspects of conservatism, and I think they don't want to do that is because they don't want to actually have to adhere to it. They they they've become a party very much like the Democrats, and to actually adhere to what they profess they believe is um, is counter to what it is they really want to do. And they want bigger government just like Democrats do. They just want it their way. So when we start talking about Latinos or you talk about blacks or Asians or anything else. Um, any, any of these demographics, I live out here in California, I, I deal with these demographics across the board, and uh, the one thing that I know, the one common ground is, that if you articulate the message right, um, you're going to find that uh, it, it's a reasonable and, a, and that transcends the color and narration and everything else. So um, the idea that we have to somehow win the Hispanic vote when they're only, what, 8% of the population, and, and out of that 8% there's probably only 4% that are here legally When you talk about the black culture or the black community, 11% of the vote, uh, that, that, you know, we're still a majority of uh, conservatives in this country, and it transcends race and, and nationality and culture and everything else. It's just that the media has controlled the narrative that that's not the case. Conservatives are white people that cling to their guns and religion. That's the narrative, and that's what everybody believes. I don't believe that we have to do anything other than begin to articulate the conservative message and do it in a way that people can understand that when we talk about individual responsibility and accountability, that these are the things that made America great. So that, that's my take on it.
1: Now, Dan, uh, jump in there, and uh it, you have anything for, for Dr. Castleberry or John off, off of that point? Oh,
4: I do. I do, sir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got it bigger. Dan never, never have anything
1: to say. Dan, Dan's always so quiet on this show.
4: <laughs> Doctor, I, I I have to ask you this question, and I'm I'm am I am asking the question because uh, I believe that there is uh, a prejudice in what you're not what you're saying, but what you're articulating. I'm not so sure that the Cuban Americans or Cuban refugees, mm-hmm. represented by Cruz. And Rubio represent the quote Hispanic vote. Uh, I'm not sure that, um, and and I know that um, that in some situations that I've been involved, uh, there has been uh, a bias that uh, the the Cubans. I'm I'm just telling you what I hear, Doctor. They are a different rung of of Hispanics than the Mexicans illegally coming across the border. And so that the Hispanic vote is primarily made up of the Mexicans and Central Americans who are coming across the border, not the Cuban people.
5: Yeah, there are at least 22 different kinds of Latinos in the United States, and uh, Cuban Americans, uh, you can't even put them all in the same category. I I wasn't saying that uh, the, the Cuban Americans represent the Latino vote in America, but they do represent an important sector of the Republican Party, especially when you see how important they are to winning the state of Florida. Winning a a national presidential election is about electoral college votes. It's not about popular votes. It's about winning the right Mm -hmm. states to put together that electoral majority, and you can't win it anymore without Florida. And that makes the tiny little percentage of Cuban-American voters uh, a very, very important swing vote in American politics. Um, Amer- Republicans should be very happy that we have uh, gained uh, the affection of so many Cuban-Americans in Florida. When you look how slim the, the margin of uh, George W. Bush over Al Gore was in Florida just recently and how slim the margin is in every election. Uh, that's an important voting block. And uh, John was talking about how we shouldn't be worried about Latinos. They're only uh, 8% of the vote. That's not true. They're 15% of the national population, at least twice that much. And that is a huge huge population that you've got to put together in your electoral calculus because conservatives are not, I'm a conservative, don't get wrong conservatives are not the majority of the American population. About 40% of Americans are conservatives, about 40% of Americans are liberals and about 40% of the population is voting purely on style.
1: Don, go ahead.
2: Yeah, in, t- in terms of the percentages, you know, I, I, I might have those wrong. I, the, the, my point being is that when we talk about this type of thing, when we talk about reaching out to different minority communities and everything else, right, we have to keep this in perspective. See, we look at as a conservative. We have a tendency to take things and analyze it and break it down, compartmentalize it and all these other things, and then we use our reason to come to some kind of conclusion or some kind of theory as to what's going on. Well, when I talk about the narrative, and that's what's really what I talk about a lot, is the narrative. The narrative bunches all Cubans and all Puerto Ricans and all Mexicans into one group. You're a voting block. The same with the black community, the same with the Asian community. You're all, it doesn't matter whether you come from the Philippines or Japan or China, or any, you're Asian. And so they group you into that demographic, and then they appeal or pander to that demographic in whichever way they feel will bring them the power that they want. So... My, my take on this thing is that when we get into trying to analyze what each or whether Cubans think different than Puerto Ricans or people from Mexico, it's irrelevant in terms of the narrative. The narrative is you're going to get grouped, and if you step outside that group, I mean, we see it with people like, right now we have Ben Carson. Uh, last election we had Herman Cain. You see people step outside the demographics that they've been pigeonholed into, and they're a whole different brand of hater. So it, it has to do with the narrative much more than it has to do with the actual dynamics of any demographic, because in today's political environment, everybody's grouped and everybody's stereotypes and everybody's pigeonholed, and this is why we have the division. This is something that I believe Barack Obama has uh, exemplified and, and and accelerated and perfected almost to a, as a campaign strategy. So uh, I, I'm not really always trying to split hairs in terms of in terms of actual statistics and everything. I look at the narrative, I look at the big picture, you see how the trends yeah. go. The reason we got people like Donald Trump at the top and Bernie Sanders at the top when they shouldn't be there, it's because of this narrative that has taken over the country. And people are just, they're either for it or they're just completely against it. And that has just ignited all the emotions. There's no reason uh, behind a lot of what's going on. So, yeah, we're in a big broad here. We're in a big, a big mess.
1: Now, Don, uh, jump in here. Uh, you, you, you've, heard, you've heard our good friend John Matthews talk. You've heard, uh, of course, our, our good buddy Dan, the other, the other guy from Verona. Uh, well, what do you have for Dr. Castleberry?
3: Well, you know, I'm the son of immigrants, so uh, uh, I have a little bit of... And I live in New Jersey where uh, we have a Latino pro, uh, population.
5: I lived there for 20 years in New Jersey, one of the greatest states in the nation.
3: Oh, thank you. Some people will disagree with you, but the point <laughs> I wanted to make is that uh, uh, New, New Jersey right now is a very, very much of a Democratic state, and uh, Latinos uh, voted in the last uh, election this November 87 uh, percent for Democrats uh, at the various uh, state and local levels. Uh, but the point I, I would like to make is the, uh, the Cubans. That came over in the uh, and started businesses and became uh, quite successful are not the same as the, the immigrants uh, as you pointed out and um, uh, I'd like to point out that the that the, uh, as they became more prosperous, they've become more Republican um, the, uh, the, the, we're seeing that in New Jersey, we're seeing it in other states, that there's a clear um, if you study the uh, economics of the Latino, and I, I separate the Cubans from the uh, uh, other basin of Latino gr- groups, as they become more prosperous, they realize that the, Democrat, the Republican Party offers greater um, uh, reasons to vote for them than, than the Democratic Party. Uh, I use uh, I've used Dan's uh, analysis. I think the 19 out of the top 20 uh, cities in the United States have been controlled by uh, uh, Republicans for, for for many years, yet the, the endemic problems that they've had have not gone away. In fact, have worsened over time. Uh, we have in, in uh, New Jersey... Uh, this, City of, of um, Atlantic City, which is uh, fighting now because uh, its uh, uh, budgets are way out of uh, proportion to the to its declining population, and they just fought a state takeover because claiming that it was racist, uh, attacking both uh, blacks and Hispanics. But the, but the real point is that. We are not, the Democratic Party is providing uh, municipal jobs, but not the kind of economic uh, opportunity that right. immigrant groups had. And we should really be focusing on what the Republicans have done to foster economic growth, which is the only way right. to build jobs.
5: I'll right. John said something, something earlier I want to Trump. pick up on. Have he talked about the, nar- the conservative narrative. Yeah. And the conservative narrative is not something we can put on video and play election after election after election after election from static things. We've got to constantly be re-explaining the conservative narrative, especially to immigrant groups, especially the minority groups, so that they understand that we offer them a better economic future than the Democrats do. If we don't do that, we will lose election after election after election, because the old days of winning elections with sledgehammers is over. It is about scalpels now, and it's about very carefully uh, uh, analyzed electoral math. You've got to put together the coalition that will put you in power. And the only way you can do that is by continually making the argument anew to new groups. Because the the population's shifting, and white people are fixing to be a minority in America very soon.
1: We've got uh, some amazing guests today. John Matthews from the Conservative Syndicate. We've also got Dr. Joseph Castleberry and our two guys from Verona join us today, Donald Bazella and Dan Perkins. Um, Dan, uh, what, 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 is, what what what's some points here that, that you want to get out? You you've been kind of quiet here while you've let everybody uh, while you've let everybody speak their piece. I, I know you're itching and raring to go on something. <laughs> I'm
4: uh, I'm fascinated by the conversation. It's it's great conversation just just to clarify my friend it's the 15 of the top 16 largest cities in the United States have been controlled by democratic governments and they have the highest murder rates and the most difficult and most stringent gun laws um, I, I noticed recently that the, uh, the, the the murder rate in Chicago is is almost double what it was for the same period of time last year um, I, I do think that, that this idea of we are, we are pigeonholing people in segments, whether they're Hispanic or Latino or, or, or Asian or whatever, or black, I think a great deal of that has been the responsibility of the Democratic Party. And I think that, the, that our, our guest who talks about the, the, the narrative is absolutely correct. If you're old enough to have gone through a number of presidential elections, you know that the narrative of the Democratic Party hasn't changed in decades. The narrative is the Republicans are anti-women, they're anti-gay, they're anti-black, and we're the party that supports you. And, and the reality is that for all these decades that the Democratic's narrative has been we're the party of, of compassion, and the, and the Republican Party are all bad guys, we have, we have the two candidates for the Democratic Office of President talking about issues, and when they're talking about the issues today, they're talking about the failure of the first black president to deliver many, many things that they've been harping about for decades that we need to do. Blacks are not better off today than they were when Barack Obama took office. They're actually higher unemployment and lower wages. The middle class is basically gone because of Barack Obama. Uh, And so the the narrative, they continue to talk about it, but they're getting deeper and deeper. Hillary's talking about giving away college education for free, costing $350 billion over the next 10 years. But all she's saying is that the rich people are going to have to pay more. Well, half the country is taking care of the other half. At some point in time, when the, it's, mo, it's more than half are taking from less than half, we're, we're going to be in great economic trouble. We cannot continue to have people in, in mass we are feeding from the, the trouble from the trough. Yeah, but we're, we're having people feeding from the trough, and we're not doing anything to put anything new in the trough, and we are dangerously close to a debt level. That the country is going to collapse, and then I don't know what narrative works because there isn't going to be any narrative to support money, money to support a narrative.
3: Well, you know the wonderful line of uh, we, uh, the cartoon I saw recently, uh, Bernie Sanders standing at a podium. What was that? Saying to uh, saying, on my first day as president, I will order the, the Department of Agriculture to start planting the magical trees that will grow all the money we need to do everything I said I was going to do.
1: <laughs> now, now, John, uh, I, I know we've only got you for, for a little bit longer because you've got to go get ready to do your national program. Uh, listening to all this today and, and listening to Dr. Castleberry, well, what, what are some of your thoughts on all this?
2: Are you talking to me?
1: Yes, yes.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I, I again, the... Uh, here, let me, let me try to put it into a bigger picture perspective here. What we've seen over the last few decades is we have seen the Republican Party. I keep talking about the narrative because I think that's what's guiding everything. The Republican Party has fallen into the trap that the narrative was designed to create, and they've fallen into it. And what, what I mean is we, we talk about we talk about this idea of um, growing the economy and everything else, and the Democrats, what they do, they go out and they pick their, their, their little uh, demographic, blocks and they they figure out some government program that we can give them so the republicans instead of coming back and saying well wait a minute this is why conservatism works better than collectivism what they do is they say well you know what we can do it better we 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 can appeal obamacare and we can replace it with something else rather than saying no what we want to do is we want to abolish obamacare we want to repeal it and turn it back over to the private sector." Uh, you know, maybe uh, since, since the government does have authority to deal with interstate commerce, let's lower the borders, let, let's let competition come in, and let's let the free market drive it. Instead, they're, oh, you know what, we'll do this, giving up the money and give states grants so that they can uh, start their own programs. You're still using taxpayer dollars, you're still using government programs, and that is not a conservative ideological principle. It is to get the government out of our business, not change the program to run something, you know, in another fashion. The same thing with the IRS. Oh, we need tax reform. No, we need to abolish the IRS. That's what we need to do. And and, and But what do we know? We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know. So the Republicans are falling into that narrative because they're afraid of articulating the idea of bringing back individual uh, responsibility and accountability, which provides incentive to go out and do something on your own and not have somebody else do it for you. And so that, that we've lost the narrative and instead of taking it back and saying, no, this is the narrative, we just we just offer a version, you know, cl- uh, plan B. And there is no plan B. Conservatism is what? Get the government out of our lives, let the free market reign, let the states make their own laws, and let the people who live in those states determine what kind of communities they want to live in. That's That is the essence of conservatism, and that's where we've lost it.
1: Well, you're uh, here. here. <laughs> I think. Well, I think we'll <laughs> leave it there. Um, John, thanks for joining us today. Dr. Castleberry, thanks for being on for a uh, interesting uh, power pack conversation. Thanks for bringing uh, bringing this topic to the table today, my friend.
5: Anytime. Hi. Right. Right. Thanks so much.
1: Well, gentlemen, we're gonna we're gonna let them go and uh, when we come back we're gonna take a brief time out. When we come back, we've got our two guys from Verona and we're gonna be joined by our good friend from uh, the fabulous, fabulous new media journal, Mr. Frank Savalto. We've got more coming up with our two guys from Verona here on the Road Payments Famous Chicky Jake Wise.
0: This is attorney advertising. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision, should not be based solely upon advertising. Kirk Goza and Brad Honold are responsible for the content. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we?